welcome back along to the Free Thinker Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Tyler Bella. This is a special episode where I take some time to interview a great Christian thinker, Nick Peters. Nick is the founder of Deeper Waters Christian Ministry and Apologetics Ministry. He writes a blog at deeperwaters.ddns.net five days a week. <laughs> I wish I had that kind of diligence. And he does a weekly podcast called the Deeper Waters Podcast, where he interviews the best in Christian scholarship and apologetics. He has a bachelor's in preaching from Johnson Bible College and is working on a master's in New Testament from Northwest University in South Africa. He and his wife, Allie, are both diagnosed with Asperger's as well. They currently live in Corrington, Tennessee, just outside of Knoxville, with their cat, Shiro. Here is my interview with Nick. And so, Nick, welcome to the show. Good to be here. Thanks for having me. How's your day going so far? Uh, it's going okay, I guess. Wife's visiting some friends and family in Memphis, and it's a bit lonely around here. But I'm <laughs> mad. I'm doing fine. Uh, you're you're surviving. She'll be ha- she'll be glad to know that you're surviving. Um, so mm-hmm. we wanted we wanted to jump right in. So um, you're here today to discuss a book review that you did of uh, one of my favorite <laughs> air quotes favorite uh, atheistic. <laughs> Uh, apologist uh, David McAfee, uh, and my listeners are, are familiar with him from the reviews that I've done, but you wrote a really good yeah. review of his book as well, so I wanted to get you on the show and just ask you uh, a few questions and kind of talk through your review. So why don't you just start by telling us, um, how did you first come across uh, David and, and his book and his group? Well, let's be clear, the book is Disproving Christianity, since he's got a few others out there. Yes. But I was browsing on Facebook for Christian Apologetics once I saw someone talking about a book called Disproving Christianity and seeing if anyone had written a response to it or anything. And I went and checked the Kindle Prize. That's not too bad. I've got enough. I can cover that. Why not? Because when I see a book that title, it's... I, I just want to go and get it immediately because it just sounds like so much fun. <laughs> and I'd say I read it within a day. Yeah. Don't think I blinked any during any of the whole thing. Yeah. It was just an incredibly bad book, really. Yeah. So we're we're we'll get into some of the reasons why you why you uh, I think you're justified in saying it's a pretty mm-hmm. it's a pretty bad book. Um, but yeah, it's a mm-hmm. it's a short read. I, I I think it's what seventy something pages. Uh, it's it's short and it's small. Um, it's a quick read. He calls it a, a handbook. Um, so you read through it in a day. What are what we'll we'll kind of go into some of your 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 critiques. But what's like your number one? overall kind of meta critique of the book as a whole my critique ultimately is that it looks to me like david mccaffey thinks that if he can disprove inerrancy he can disprove christianity and that's just not so even if i granted him contradictions in the bible i still have a very strong case for resurrection and that's a topic he never even touched and of course we could add in that he does give some credence to the idea that Jesus never even existed, which should be enough to discount him entirely (laughs) at that point. Yeah, yeah. So, um, 
I, I know, so when I was reading through, you kind of hit on something that, that I had an issue with, is when he first defines what Christianity is, he goes through and, and he says, he says part of it is a literal interpretation of the Bible. And, and you basically like, you know, you basically said, hey, wait a, wait a second, time out. <laughs> uh, there's, there's a problem. There's a problem here. Um, what's the problem with, with including that type of terminology um, within a definition of Christianity? The problem is you would find very few, if any, Christian scholars who would hold to such a position. And, in fact, you would find few laymen who would really hold to such a position because we realize that Scripture, like many other books, is literature just as much as it is anything else. And, therefore, it speaks in a wide variety of language usages. For instance, when the psalmist says, I drown my couch with my tears, no one thinks he's swimming on his couch because that we all understand that this is metaphorical language. When Jesus says, I am the vine, I am the door, we don't check if he has leaves or check and see if he has hinges. We recognize this is metaphorical language going on. Uh, when we read the book of Revelation, we should try and realize this is apocalyptic language that's taking place, and it's not to be read in a wooden, literal sense. Now, are there some passages that are to be read in a straightforward way? Yeah, sure, absolutely. But there's no magic border either to determine which ones those are. It just requires careful study of a text. It's the exact same word you'd use if you are reading Homer or Herodotus or Hosea. It doesn't matter. You have right. to study the text as a piece of literature first. Right. Right. So, so, and, and this is a common, um, this is a common thing that, that those of us who are involved in apologetics come across when we're dealing with this type of, um, atheistic, I think you, I, I think you used fundamentalism in, in your review, kind of like I used in mine. I mean, yes. I think what we're seeing is a rise in atheistic fundamentalism. And, and part of that is, is, is this, uh, it's almost this obsession with, with viewing Christianity and our reading of the Bible, uh, it, it's got to be this hyper-literal, young earth. Uh, I mean, it's just this wooden, literal technicalism, almost, um, that, that I don't know if I've even met anyone that reads it as literal as any atheists do. I really think it's more a problem with our individualistic self-centeredness that we think the text should be clear, and it should be clear to me, and it should be clear to any modern 21st century Western reader, right? The text should have been written with us in mind. This is the word of God, and we shouldn't need any help to understand the word of God. So if God doesn't speak in modern 21st century terminology, where well, he should have made things clearer. <laughs> and and on the, on the other side, he waited far too long by coming 2,000 years ago. But he should have waited longer. Yeah, that's a... <laughs> yeah. Huh. yeah, that's always fun. Um, so you so you continue on um, down and and you address some of um, McAfee's uh, moral claims, um, specifically some of his view about how morality is grounded. Why don't you why don't you tell us a little bit about um, kind of your interaction with with his claim about morality? Well, most atheists have this idea that all Christians go to the Bible to get their morality. Now, a lot of us do get great principles from the Bible. I'm not going to deny that. But it's my contention, in fact, that you don't need the Bible to understand morality. 
any more than you need a math teacher to understand math. Although a math teacher can certainly help. It certainly helps to have someone there who's been there before, who knows the right path, and show you rather than having to have you reinvent the wheel and make an ethical system on your own entirely. But it's not the case, for instance, that the Jews are wandering in the desert, and then they get the Ten Commandments, and they look at each other and say, Oh, guys, we gotta stop this murder thing. Turns out that's not such a good idea. Now, they already knew it wasn't a good idea, and we even find this in Romans 2, where Paul talks about the Gentiles do the law and follow its precepts as if they have the law written on their hearts. The whole idea is you don't need the Bible to know right from wrong. Now, does the Bible contain statements of right and wrong? Yes, but those things aren't right and wrong just because the Bible says they are. They just happen to be right and wrong, and the Bible happens to record that truth. It's like saying... The crucifixion of Jesus really did happen, and it didn't happen because the Bible says it happened. It happened because it happened in the real world, and the Bible records that fact. Right. Well, speaking of what happens in the real world and being recorded in the Bible, um, McAfee, I'm going to read one of his quotes that that you. Uh, I'm guessing if you were like me, you you had to you almost you almost didn't know whether to laugh or cry or throw the book across the room, uh, where he says, "quote." Uh, he's talking about a verse. He says, This verse, however, only one of the many indicating the necessity not of moral behavior to be saved, but of accepting Jesus Christ, who according to doctrine is supposed to have lived thousands of years ago, and for whose existence we have little to evidence, neither as a man nor as part of divine Christian Godhead. End quote. <laughs> um, yeah, so why don't you tell me just... What is wrong with with that the latter half of that type of statement? Yeah, exactly. How long do we have for this show here? <laughs> I mean, I, I just did an interview with the mind renewed that when it was done after editing, it lasted an hour and fifty three minutes of me talking about Jesus mythicism. Oh man! Now that's the view that Jesus never even existed, which is what McAfee seems to be espousing here. You will hardly find a New Testament or classical scholar or scholar of ancient history who holds this view. It's more considered to be a joke view in the view of scholars. And I'm not talking about Christian scholars either. I'm talking about atheistic, agnostic, Jewish scholars. It's, it's kind of like the flat earth worldview position of New Testament scholarship. You might as well say, for instance, that the Holocaust never happened. It's incredibly bad history. We have the four Gospels, which all attest to the historical Jesus. We have the Pauline Epistles, which have details about the historical Jesus. We have the existence of a Christian church. We have evidence from Josephus, from Tacitus, from Suetonius, from Pliny the Younger, from Marlborough Serapion, from Lucian. All of these figure or say something about Jesus. Now, we could say, for instance, well, Josephus has interpolations. Yes, Josephus does have interpolations. But Josephus scholars will say there is a historical core here, and in this historical core, there is a historical Jesus. It's a position that's really not taken seriously at all in the academy whatsoever, and yet on the internet it's out there, and when you meet people who buy it, you can just automatically know their gullible and will buy into most any idea that agrees with their worldview. Right, right. And I, and I think we see that quite a bit in his own 
his own group, um, which will, we'll, we'll, we will, you know, we won't spend a ton of time talking about some of our experiences in that group, but maybe touch on it a little bit towards the end. Um, so you also have, and, and this will, you know, this will be towards the, the last part of, of your review. Um, you start going into dealing with basically his shotgun approach. He starts throwing up, um, almost little, literally just regurgitating, um, dozens and dozens of these little snippets of objections um, to different different aspects of the biblical passages. So he talks, you know, he'll spend like one page on slavery, and he'll spend, you know, half a page on babies born uh, with disabilities, and, and, you know, another couple of sentences on this weird thing about a contradiction between uh, who was the mediator that delivered the law to Moses. And he'll, he'll, he'll work through, or I shouldn't even say work through, because he didn't work through, he just throws up all of these, this smokescreen of objections, um, and you kind of go through and, and you you show pretty quickly in short order how most of these fail. What's kind of the overall theme in these? What what's what's the trend that we're seeing in this kind of of anti-biblicist objection? One of my things I like to use is that jumping to conclusions is not nearly as good an exercise as digging for facts is. <laughs> and it's a whole lot easier to raise an objection than it is to answer an objection. And I don't care what position it is you're arguing against, because usually arguments against an objection can often contain some misunderstandings of a position, not necessarily, but they very well can. You could have some critiques of, say, evolution – that if you're going to understand why the critique fares, you need to understand some very complex science behind it. But a lot of people who were raised with critique don't understand that science and will walk away thinking, hey, I've made a powerful dent in the argument when really people who study the issue look and say, no, no, all you've done is you demonstrated to me that you don't really know what's going on out there. What I really see behind all this is just a lack of study, and that's something huge in McAfee's book. He has no bibliography. There is no indication he has gone out and consulted the work of leading scholars on both sides of the field, those who agree and those who disagree with his position. And that's no way to write something like a book claiming to disprove Christianity, because Christianity is a complex worldview. I wouldn't write a book like a disproving Islam or disproving atheism without reading the best that I could on both sides and showing that I had. When McAfee doesn't do this, then I just look and say, why on earth should I take your position seriously? I mean, try turning in a research paper like that at a college sometime where you don't cite any sources for your claims and see what happens. A professor should not pass such a paper. Yeah, and I, I think I, I don't quite remember. I mean, I've I read through your review a couple of times. I don't quite remember if you take him to task um, for calling himself a scholar in the book. Um, I mean, he, uh, yes. Yeah. Yes, I'm pretty sure I do. I, I thought you did. I, I was really just love for it, but yeah, I really love reading material on Christianity and religion and things of that sort. I'm working on my master's right now. I've done debates, things of that sort. I am not a scholar. And why am I not a scholar? 
because I do not have a PhD yet, and I have not passed peer review, and I am not going to insert real scholars by considering myself to be one of them. Just because you think you know a lot about a subject does not mean you are a scholar. Yeah, it, especially when you're writing a book that's this, I mean, just this riddled with just problem after problem after problem. It's its hard to take that, that self-profession as a scholar really seriously whatsoever. Um, and it's, it's surprising mm-hmm. how many people um, do, which, which is kind of my next question. So moving a little bit away from, from your review, which, uh, I'll, I'll make sure to put the, the link to it and to your website in the show notes. Um, you and I have been in his group, um, for a while. Uh, I'm not uh-huh. sure. I'm not sure if you still hang around or haunt that group very often. It's, it's kind I of, I haven't become, been there in a long time. <laughs> it's, it's kind of just become, a. A cesspool of fundamentalism, basically. Um, yes. What What is it? Do you think about because because when you when you when you listen to David, he's he's not like a Peter Bogosian, right? He's not out there saying all theists are are mentally deluded, mentally ill. Uh, they should be clinically diagnosed, right? They're not. They're not Sam Harris yeah, saying you know. To, if, to his credit, he's not doing that. He's not, and and he and he says you know, and, and there are a couple posts where where he goes up and he says, look. You know, we shouldn't be insulting, uh, we shouldn't be insulting theists. But when you look at his group, when you look at the type of following that he's cultivated, it is, it is quite possibly one of the most fundamentalistic, intolerant, uh, anti-intellectual groups that, that, I mean, frankly, I'm involved in a lot of these groups with atheists, and this one literally might be one of the worst. What is it you think about McAfee that, that, or not about him as a person, I don't mean that, I've actually met him, he's a really nice guy, actually. What is it about his work and his, um, his posts and kind of his rhetoric that you think that, that drives this type of group? To put you on the spot, I know you're not a sociologist or anything, but what do you think? I don't think it's him. I don't think it's him for a moment. I think it's atheism in general, unfortunately, that has brought this about and the internet's made it worse but we've come to a point where we have what's going on what I call atheistic presuppositionalism mm-hmm. it's where you assume Rob's talked about if you're an atheist you're rational and all these theists they're ipso facto irrational because you know they believe in this silly god concept and all rational people know that's true especially well, no, that's not true, especially in an age of science where, I mean, you don't want to go against science. And in essence, science has become the new priesthood. Now, I don't mean this as an insult to science. Science is wonderful. It provides us with much information. Every Christian should embrace science. And if science shows anything to be true, we as Christians are obligated to accept it because our truth is God's truth ultimately. There's no room we have here for a double theory of truth. But this leads to this in reserve. I don't really have to listen to the other side. I don't need to read the other side. I don't need to pay attention to the scholars of the other side. Why waste my time? And that is not a good attitude for any debate. And I don't care if you're a Christian or an atheist with that position. Now, that doesn't mean that all Christians are going to go out there and read atheist books. 
They probably won't. And if you're not going out there and debating atheists regularly, that's probably not too much of a problem. But if you're going to go out there and you're going to debate the other side, you owe it to yourself to study the other side and see what they've got. I've got here on my bookshelves behind me several books by atheists that I've read. Many of them I've written reviews of as well. I've got even more on my Kindle yeah. that I've read. And I, I try to read the books that disagree with me. That's where you grow. But what we have going on too often is a sort of atheistic groupthink going on, a mutual admiration society. And I can tell you that if people are not going to be aggressive, they will in some ways be passive aggressive every time. It never fares. Yeah. Yeah, and I and I think that's exactly right. I mean we, we see it we see it all the time. <laughs> So, Nick, thank you so much for coming on the show. We really appreciate it. Uh, for those listening, that is mm-hmm. uh, Nick Peters from Deeper Waters uh, podcast and blog and apologetics extraordinaire. Uh, thank you, Nick, for coming on the show. I appreciate it. the compliment. Would you care if I tell people right quick where they can find me? Absolutely. Absolutely. You can find me at deeperwaters.ddns.net. I do a blog there five days a week, and I do my own podcast once a week. It's a two-hour interview, and in fact, Tyler, you're due to be a guest on my podcast next month talking about David McAfee. So we're going to be having quite a bit... Yeah, we're going to be having quite a bit of fun with him. I think so. But it's been a pleasure to be come on, and I really thank you for your compliment. Thank you so much, Nick, and uh, we look forward to reading uh, more of your work. Thank you. Thank you. Have a great night. Well, that was my interview with Nick Peters of Deeper Waters Ministry. It was a really great time. I really enjoyed talking with him. If you wanted to check him out, uh, I will put his web address in um, the show notes, and then you can also look up his podcast and subscribe on iTunes. Next time, we'll continue with our series where we are looking at some of the atrocities of the Bible. So we'll start that again next week. Thank you, and join us again soon.